0: From Texas Public Radio, this is Texas Matters, a weekly radio news magazine that looks at the issues, events, and people in the Lone Star State. Today on Texas Matters, as election day approaches, there are more election deniers on the ballot in Texas than in any other state. One group of Republicans is pushing back. When it comes to how hard it is to vote, Texas has gone from bad to worse. And will young people turn out to vote this election? Don't bet the future of democracy on it. This is Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio. I'm David Martin Davies. Election day is Tuesday, November 8th, and we're being told that democracy is on the ballot. And if that is true, then it looks like democracy is in trouble. Comparing voter turnout from four years ago, the last midterm election, the ballot cast numbers are significantly down. Why is that is a mystery. It was thought that the abortion issue would motivate voters, would see an increase, or the January 6th insurrection. Also take into account that Texas has added about 2 million more people since 2018. So then where are the voters? Lower voter turnout in mail-in voting can be attributed to former President Donald Trump's messaging that mail-in ballots are highly susceptible to fraud. And some high-profile conservatives have been criticizing early voting. They want 100% one-day voting, Election Day, no exceptions, and that could dampen enthusiasm for some early voters in some quarters. But we should also take into account that Texas has made voting more difficult since the 2020 presidential election. There are fewer exceptions for mail-in ballots, and most curbside voting has ended. A recent report looking at the ease of voting, also expressed as cost of voting, pegs Texas again as one of the worst states to vote in. The 2022 Cost of Voting in American States Index, published in the Election Law Journal, has Texas actually slipping from 45th worst to 46th. Michael Palmante is a co-author of the study.
1: The reason we do this study is because we all know that states have the ability to, states have the authority to change their election law, laws, allowing certain practices and disallowing other practices. The adoption of these laws either makes voting more difficult for citizens or removes barriers to the voting process for those citizens. We want to know Which states have the policies in place that remove the most barriers for those citizens to cast their ballots on Election Day? And we know that states that remove the most barriers on average tend to have higher turnout and states that have more restrictions are more restrictive, they tend to have lower voter turnout on average. So by getting this idea, taking into account all the policies and laws that each state has allows us to compare one state to another, saying that it is easier to vote in this state than another state or vice versa.
0: Do you take into account voter registration? Is that part of this as well?
1: Absolutely. Voter registration is included in the index. And we actually take in different laws regarding registration. So the first thing that we look at is the number of days prior to an election that a voter must be registered. Uh, we look at whether or not the state has automatic voter registration. We also look at whether or not the state has online voter registration platforms. 41 of the 50 states actually have online voter registration. And then we also look at to see if the state has same day or election day registration, allowing individuals to register and then cast ballots on the same day.
0: So Texas don't have online voter registration. We have the maximum amount of time before registering to to vote and being able to vote it does it seems like there's a lot of barriers there to register to vote
1: yeah to get registered there absolutely is the state of texas unfortunately is not removing barriers to make it easier for citizens to register
0: do you see any connection between ease of registering to vote and That is an excellent question, and
1: one that my co-authors and I are um, tackling in a forthcoming book that is going to be available early next year.
0: Any previews?
1: Since voter fraud is nearly non-existent, I am not saying it never happens. It happens occasionally and rarely. The simple fact that it doesn't happen often, there is no finding that making difficult, more restrictive or um, easier by removing barriers has any effect on the amount of fraud.
0: Texas has ranked pretty much at the bottom. According to the reporting you all have done over the years, it was 45th last time around, two years ago. And now where are we? Where's Texas now?
1: at forty six now.
0: So it's dropped so one. a slight drop
1: of one one position in the ranking. And th- a lot of that has to do with some of the new laws that Texas has passed. Primarily after twenty twenty, the state has gone ahead and passed a number of laws dealing with absentee voting and mail-in ballots that now makes that more difficult for citizens to participate in that way. Texas has restricted ballot drop-off locations, right? These types of things are making it difficult for Texas citizens to take part in that
0: absentee voting process. While Texas does have those negatives, It does have two weeks of early voting, no excuse, absentee voting. And that seems to be something that people really like, and it it works well for a lot of people. You weigh all these things.
1: Absolutely. We do weigh all these things. And it is that Texas has early voting, and I applaud the state for that. But unfortunately... The positives that brings about does not outweigh the negatives of all the other laws that it has in place.
0: When the Republican leadership of Texas was pushing SB1, which was the battery of changes to the way that elections are run and the way voting is done Texas in the legislative session, they said—this was their phrase, this was their pitch phrase—that they are going to make it easy to vote but hard to cheat— They were pitching these laws, changes, that it was actually going to make it easier to vote. And you're telling me that's just the opposite of what we ended up with.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, the policies that have been passed have not significantly altered the difficulty of voting for citizens of Texas. And it is unlikely that any of those policies passed are going to affect the voter fraud rate because the voter fraud rate in Texas is already near. So when the number of fraud cases is already so small, it's unlikely that they're gonna affect it in any significant way by passing these more restrictive policies.
0: The early voting, absentee voting by mail, drop-off locations, this makes it easier to vote. That's That's what you work with, right? Yeah, and by um, and making it easier to vote, then more people vote. That's your. That's what you all, the conclusion Absolutely. So when we yeah. hear people like in Arizona, Republican candidate for Governor Kerry Lake saying, we need to go to one day voting, in-person voting only. We're going to have election day, just election day, and that's how it's going to be. That's how the founding fathers wanted it, and that's how we're going to do it. Just that would make voting more difficult if that was the case, right?
1: Absolutely, because we need to think about all the citizens and how each of our lives are different. And it may be okay and easy for one person to show up at the on election day and cast a ballot, whereas someone else, maybe they have a job that requires them to travel a lot and they would not be there on election day. Or perhaps they work two or three jobs and they're not able to get time off to do this on Election Day. So by giving them more time to these individuals, they can fit voting into their lives without inconveniencing themselves a significant amount of time to participate in our democracy.
0: Michael Palmante is a co-author of the study 2022 Cost of Voting in the American States Index, Published in the Election Law Journal, Texas is ranked 46th. The four states with worse index scores than Texas are Wisconsin, Arkansas, Mississippi, and New Hampshire. The best state to vote in is Oregon, which has an all-vote-by-mail process. Looking at the data so far from early voting in Texas, it does not look like the younger voters will be stampeding to the polls. You can blame that on the apathy of youth, but you could also consider that many Texas universities don't have early voting locations on campus, and state laws regarding voter ID and registration make it hard to turn out younger voters. To find out more, I turn to Sarah Batson, a current student at the University of Texas at Austin and the Student Advisory Board Chair for Fair Elections Center's Campus Vote Project.
2: Yeah, I think the stories we're hearing about campuses finding out last minute, they're not going to have a polling site on their campus, uh, whether they used to or whether they were trying to this time, uh, is really alarming. I think that we see when we have a polling site on campus, students are really empowered and they have easy access. Um, But when they get that taken away, it can be both really discouraging, but in a very practical sense, it can leave them not knowing where to go. Uh, polling sites not on college campuses can be very inaccessible. And, you know, if you can't get to where you can cast your ballot, that's in the most basic way, a massive barrier to you voting.
0: People are saying that we're not seeing a lot of young people voting right now in the early voting uh, for for this election. Do you see that? Can Can you help us understand what's going on? Yeah, I mean, there's
2: definitely um, not kind of the same numbers as we may be expected to see comparing 22 to 2018 at the current moment. And I think my response to that is every election is really different. And, you know, we have seen that youth voting overall has increased, not just in Texas, but across the nation over the election cycles. But I think, like any group, you know, they're going to be affected by different motivators whenever a different cycle comes around, depending on what messages candidates are getting out or kind of whether they feel that this is an especially important moment. And I think that you need to see a lot of work go in to make sure that every election is groundbreaking and historic. And, you know, maybe, maybe we're not seeing the record-breaking levels we thought we were going to see, but... Um, Maybe that's more a result of a need for more outreach and need to think about it differently.
0: Looking online, uh, reading some people uh, tweeting out saying that uh, I'm, I just turned 18. I wanted to vote. I turned in my voter registration uh, before the deadline a- after I turned 18, and I still uh, they didn't turn it around in time. I- I'm not going to be able to vote because of this uh antiquated a uh, voter registration system that we have in Texas, and these uh, harsh deadlines, which you know there's no practical reason why they're why they are what they are. are those common? Have you heard those stories yourself?
2: i mean i've I've been with uh, one of my friends. We went to the polling site, not this cycle. Um, but previously we went to go vote, and because we were voting early, they didn't have her record put in yet, and she had changed counties. Uh, And they basically were like, we have no evidence that you registered here. And while that was updated by the end of the early vote period, if I hadn't been there to be like, no, you have a right. You have done the work. Now it's on the county to make sure you're able to vote and reassure her that she would be able to vote. You know, maybe she wouldn't have come back and tried again and actually cast her ballot. And I think that whenever we see that sort of bureaucratic slowdown happening, it's really deeply concerning. And whether or not it's super common, I think that it does kind of create some concern about uh, how certain are you going to be that you're going to be able to cast your ballot when you go vote. You know, if you do all the work to get yourself to a polling site, just to be turned away, that I think is really, really hard to overcome.
0: So when we have basically a culture in Texas that makes it difficult to vote, does that sound to you like a culture of voter suppression?
2: I think that there's a lot of ways we can discuss why people don't vote. And I think culture is definitely something that can make people less likely to. Uh, I think whether or not it's intentional, whether or not there's some strategy behind it, I think it can mean that voting doesn't happen at the rate that would happen otherwise and and that's really the concern with voter suppression is are we seeing the participation that we would want to see in a democracy when it comes to the final you know election totals and i think that the cultural aspect is is really important when you know kids aren't learning from their parents that voting is a really, really important thing or that it's something they should take pride in and encourage their friends to do and talk about with their communities, then that can be really hard because you have to basically start from scratch with young people and and convince them that, no, this is a really important thing. This is something you can take pride in. Uh, and that does kind of raise the barrier to entry.
0: I mean, I've heard the argument put forth saying voting should not be easy. It should not be convenient. That, uh, you know, why would you expect it to be easy and convenient that they want to put barriers in the path to vote so that only the people who really want to vote who will will be able to vote? They just don't want anyone to vote. They want the people who are committed uh, to, to voting to vote.
2: I think that my response to that is, you know. There are a lot of people who, throughout their day to day life, struggle with issues that they want to talk about when they vote. They want to use their vote to change. You know, if you want to raise the minimum wage and you're stuck at your job for way too many hours a week because you can't, you know, pay your bills, maybe you don't have time to go to the ballot box. And maybe that's tied to why you don't end up going to vote. I think that for students, a lot of times we have. We're going to the max to try to build a future for ourselves, maybe for our families. And whenever that comes in conflict with us, you know, having a voice in our democracy, that's an issue, not a feature. (laughs) That is definitely a bug of the system. Um, And I think that's something that should be addressed. Communities that have a difficult time accessing the ballot box are no less deserving of being represented by people who make decisions about their
0: lives. Sarah Batson is a student at the University of Texas at Austin and the Student Advisory Board Chair for Fair Elections Center's Campus Vote Project. Another reason why early voting could be down is that voter intimidation is up, according to the Texas Civil Rights Project. They say reports of voter intimidation in Texas are unusually egregious in this election, Christina Beeler, voting rights staff attorney at the Texas Civil Rights Project, says there have been multiple reports of intimidation during the early voting process across Texas.
3: In Travis County, we received a very alarming report about a precinct chair of the Travis County Republican Party knocking on people's doors, accusing them of illegally voting by mail, even though the people we spoke with were clearly eligible to vote by mail. This particular incident happened last week. So the voter who reached out to us, Sarah Ferguson, got a call from her mother-in-law on Friday night. A woman who identified herself as a precinct chair and who Sarah was later able to identify as a precinct chair for the Travis County Republican Party accused Sarah of illegally voting by mail. Um, This particular instance seemed to be targeting people who have been voting by mail because the list of people who vote by mail is publicly available. But Sarah is not illegally voting by mail. She's a spouse of a member of the military. She and her husband pay taxes in Travis County and have Texas driver's licenses. She's been voting by mail for over a decade because they're a military family and they've been stationed in numerous places. And the intimidation didn't stop there. Uh, This particular precinct chair told Sarah's mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law both of whom are over 65 years old and automatically eligible to vote by mail in Texas. Is she's going to look into them too to see if they illegally voted? And this aggressive and intimidating behavior is absolutely unacceptable and is illegal.
0: So um, there's another reported instance of people being asked to surrender their smartphones and smart watches uh, voting, and this is in Dallas County.
3: Yeah, we had a voter call into the hotline who, uh, in Dallas County, went in to vote. Um, he was a black voter, and he said that a, an election worker, we found out that this person was an election worker. That is confirmed. Um, an election worker told him that he needed to give him his cell phone and his smartwatch in order to go in to vote. And when he tried to walk past this person and go in to vote, this person said, no, I'm not finished with you. You need to give me your phone to go in and vote. All, and meanwhile, there were white voters going in and out who are not being asked to give over their phone and who are not being asked to give their smartwatch. Um, so this voter did give this person his phone so that he could go cast his ballot. Um, he put his watch in his pocket and he cast his ballot and then he called us. Um, and this, this person who did this um, was reprimanded the county uh, talked to him, and um, it, it does seem to have been resolved. Uh, but that type of behavior is also unacceptable and also illegal.
0: Now, we have new rules for uh, partisan poll watchers. What's happening with them? Are, are you getting reports about them?
3: So we we did get a report of someone, um, a poll watcher, who was wearing a MAGA hat. Um, we actually got a report also of an election worker who was wearing a MAGA hat. Um, and that was also resolved. Um, so we are getting some reports about poll watchers engaging in some troubling behavior. But some of those instances have been resolved. Um, and it I mean, as everyone knows, Senate Bill 1 made it much harder to remove poll watchers. So definitely partisan poll watchers have been empowered to behave in ways that are inappropriate um, at the polls. Uh, but those are things that the hotline can help with. So if anyone has any issues with that, they should call 866-OUR-VOTE. We are happy to help.
0: Tarrant County Election says uh, some voters are receiving uh, letters that tell them that there is uh, an investigation of voter integrity happening. Are are you aware of these letters? And is that voter intimidation?
3: Yes, that is definitely voter intimidation. Yes, Um, we are aware of those letters. um, And... Those letters are very concerning. Um, These efforts seem to be motivated by right-wing conspiracy theories um, around stolen elections and the big lie. Um, And I think that these efforts are extremely troubling, um, but they are illegal. And so there are things that can be done. If people run into these problems, if someone receives a letter like that, please give us a call at 866-OUR-VOTE.
0: Any reports in Texas of uh, drop boxes with uh, people who are militia member type staking them out?
3: Texas doesn't have drop boxes like in Arizona and some other places. So, no, we do not have any reports of anything like that. One of Texas Civil Rights Project's favorite things to do is to file litigation to protect voters. And even though voter intimidation does have a chilling effect on people, we've also heard from Texans around the state who are determined and ready to do whatever it takes to exercise their right to vote. And we are here to help with that.
0: Christina Beeler is Voting Rights Staff Attorney at the Texas Civil Rights Project. If you are experiencing voter intimidation and would like to report it, call or text the Texas Civil Rights Project's hotline at 866 R vote 866 687 Another reason why voting turnout could be low in early voting so far is that denying that elections matter seems to be a thing right now. But the midterm elections could be putting election denying to the test to see if candidates could be penalized by voters if they reject that President Biden won the 2020 election. There's no evidence that Trump was cheated despite multiple claims and unhinged conspiracy theories. And Texas has the most election deniers on the ballot, and they are all Republicans. In fact, the Texas Republican Party platform officially rejects Biden as the legitimate president. But there are Republicans who reject that. They say election denying is a fiction and it's dangerous to the future of American democracy. The Republican Accountability Project has an ad campaign to spread that message that real Republicans and conservatives want Republicans to stop sowing distrust in our democracy, even if it means voting for Democrats, because that's what's best for the country. Gunnar Raymer is the political director for the Republican Accountability Project.
4: We're on Fox News, we're on Newsmax, and, and what we do, what our ads are about, it's about elevating the voices of republicans former republicans conservatives are grassroots supporters who cannot stand the conspiracy theories about the 2020 election who cannot stand the election denialism and we use them as uh you know credible messengers to talk to other republicans uh former republicans conservatives who are sitting there and, and going hey I, I i didn't leave the republican party but it kind of feels like the republican party left me and i missed the party of ronald reagan and john mccain and I don't recognize this Republican Party. so we use our credible messengers to and elevating their voices to relay that message uh, to to those watching.
0: So you really have probably heard a lot of people in despair. they they believe in limited government, uh, they believe in the core principles of conservatism, like you said, like Ronald Reagan, John McCain, others. And uh, but right now, if they turn their back on the Republican Party because so many people uh, who are running under the ticket are election deniers, then the party doesn't have a chance to stand up to Democrats. I mean, what are those folks supposed to do?
4: Yeah, it's really difficult. And we saw it in 2020. Listen, the reason that uh, Joe Biden won the presidency, won a bunch of key battleground swing states is because a bunch of disaffected Republicans decided not to vote for Donald Trump. They either made an affirmative vote for Joe Biden or they left the top of the ticket blank or they went third party. And again, in 2022, we are starting to see when you look at a state like Georgia, where you have a conservative Republican governor, Brian Kemp, who disaffected Republicans are okay voting with. But they are deciding uh, as what polling is showing is they are deciding to split their ticket and they will not be voting for Herschel Walker. So what the GOP needs right now is sustained electoral defeat to send a message to Republican leaders and Republican primary voters that it is one thing to win a Republican primary, but it is another to win a general election. And these Trump-like candidates uh, are not electable in a general election. But I do want to be clear. Uh, Right now, it is very much Donald Trump's GOP. If you look at what happened to the 10 House impeachment Republicans, four of them retired because they're going to have a very difficult time getting reelected, four of them lost, including... Representative Liz Cheney, and two of them barely made it by uh, in the in California and Washington State. Respectively, they have a top two system, and Dan Newhouse and David Balladeo barely eked it out. So I do want to be clear that, sadly, uh, the Republican Party is owned by Donald Trump and both loyal to him.
0: The choice is if you vote for the election denier on the ticket who is a Republican, then you're rewarding that election denier for that bad behavior. You're asking people really to take a, a principled stand. That's right.
4: And the, what we found is most effective is not some, you know, fancy advertisement or something like that. that is flashing gets attention on Twitter. What really works is using our uh, credible messengers and having them give permission to these on the fence Republicans who don't recognize the party today and say, hey, I've been a Republican too for 30 years, 40 years. I voted for Ronald Reagan twice but I'm not voting for Doug Mastriano and I'm not voting for Herschel Walker in Georgia. And yeah, it is a very difficult thing, but I will say that it is the most important thing uh, for our country uh, right now in our politics is to have two political parties that believe in respecting our democracy. And right now we have a party, the Republican party, where a majority of elected Republicans, Republican primary voters, believe the election was stolen, continue to sow distrust, in our, in our electoral system and ultimately damage our Constitution. And I'm someone who's a registered Republican, I'm someone who considers myself conservative. I cannot imagine anything less conservative uh, than trying to undermine free and fair elections and the Constitution. And people that support our organization also believe that.
0: Gunnar Raymer is the political director for the Republican Accountability Project. That's it for this edition of Texas Matters. Thanks for listening. I'm David Martin Davies. You can email us at texasmatters at tpr.org. There are past episodes of Texas Matters at tpr.org. And you can find us wherever you download your podcast. And tune in again next week for another edition of Texas Matters from Texas Public Radio.